Hello, and welcome to You Had Me at Martini. I'm Susan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Melissa. Hello, listeners. And this evening, uh, we are going to be talking about parents and the death of a parent and facing the death of a parent. But first, a little bit about us, in case this is your first time listening. We are two boomers, and we like to always qualify that with barely, because we are on the cusp of the baby boom grouping, and we're practically Gen X, really. Um, and we like to have martinis and chat and we had a lot of time on our hands during COVID. So we thought, why not? So here we are. Um, so if you want to join two boomers and chat with us, pull up a chair, pour yourself a drink. And if you want to eavesdrop, eavesdrop on your mom and her friends, grab a drink and pull up a chair too. Either way it works. Yeah. Here we are every week coming at you with topics that we want to talk about things that we find important, top of our mind, or whatever the hell we want, really. (laughs) Or someone asked us to talk about. That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. So, so, um, Melissa, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, This is a little grapefruit and vodka. I think there's a word for that. Um, I think they call it a greyhound. Greyhound. I I was having that last week, and then uh, I called it grapefruit and vodka, and then later... Or then we called it a gratitini, I think we nicknamed it. But then later I was like, oh, yeah, that actually is a name. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually, in, it's a martini because obviously it's in a martini glass. So anything in a martini glass makes it a martini. But it's a Cape Cod teeny because mm-hmm. it's uh, cranberry juice. Cranberry juice. But, uh, yeah. yeah. What is it when you do, there is one, I think, where it's grapefruit juice, cranberry juice, and vodka. Yeah, Seabreeze? Oh, yeah. Seabreeze, right? Yeah. These are all back in my early 20s. That is, that's an early throwback one. <laughs> I think it is. Uh, we thought we were so cool at 22. I know. A few decades ago, I yeah. was drinking sea breezes. I don't think a greyhound, but I'm drinking like the grapefruit by water that I like, and it's really oh, good. Oh, well, that's, mm, that's a, it's, yeah, it's a variation. Yeah, it is a variation of it. So it's not exactly grapefruit juice and vodka, but it's pretty close. So I but think this, it it, it's quite delicious. Well, there yeah. you go then. Yeah. Loosen you up a little bit so we can <laughs> yeah. chat about this positive topic. Oh, yeah. This positive, yeah. <laughs> I think it came about probably because of the tr- str- uh, struggles, I guess, I'm going through with my parents mm-hmm. because both of my parents are gra- gratefully, and I'm very blessed at my age to have both of my parents still alive and in their own home and physically being able to function and very little responsibility on my part. And they also have all their marbles. They As do. A person they, who had parents, a couple of parents who didn't. Yeah, that's it's, a bit. That's it's a huge. Big, it is. It's a big deal. So I'm very, very fortunate. I feel very blessed. Our, our kids all have all gotten a chance to spend time with them. I think that's really important. But I'm starting to see things that you want to help them with that they're not so willing to have help with. So it was. It was. Um, and I have enough friends too. I'm sure you do too. I have enough friends too that are starting to go through the same things or they've been through one parent like you or both and or in my case three right yeah (laughs) or the struggles they have so I thought it was it was an interesting topic to talk about because um I'm sure people can relate to it so oh sure I mean everyone has parents um most everyone I guess there are those occasional people who are put up for adoption and stay in the system but for the most part we all have parents and we all have to face losing our parents so I have, I, to explain my situation, um, my parents divorced when I was eight. My mom remarried when I was nine. And I always had a really complicated relationship with my dad. Um, 
So my stepdad was more of a dad to me for the most part. Um, I've lost them all, but I lost them at three very different times in very different ways. Um, and I learned a lot from each experience with, with my stepdad, he was first and he in his mid fifties, um, was diagnosed with early Alzheimer's, which was heartbreaking because he was a, um, very successful trial attorney in Chicago. He was president of Illinois bar and the Chicago bar. And he was one of these bigger than life personalities. Everyone knew him. He was just you know, life of the party, loved to talk. And then when he got Alzheimer's, it's like he was trapped inside his own body. And at one point, and he would kind of wander around like a, like a breathing, almost vegetable or like a little child. And at one point he stopped and he turned to my mom and he said, he started to cry and he said, I can't even make a cup of coffee. And then as quickly as he was there and present, he was gone again, which made us know that he was trapped inside and what a horrible for a person for anyone but someone like him who was so bigger than life to suddenly not be able to communicate when that was his whole all that's all he was about yeah. it was heartbreaking so yeah. he lasted about eight years like that and then he passed away um when he was 63 and <laughs> i was 30 did your mom take care of him that whole time or did he have to go into some living? No, no. They had a complicated marriage. Yeah. So she was out in California. He was in Illinois. He had uh, been commuting and then all of this started to happen. And that's, that's an episode for another time. That's, that's about complicated marriages. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but at the time that he died, I was 30. I had a three-year-old and a three-month-old and he had come out to California at one point, my mom had gotten him in a study at UCSD. And so I had a chance to see him. And this was when he was a few years in to, to it. And, you know, really just walking around very quiet and, you know, would kind of look to my mom and she would tell him, you know, what, what was what. And my biggest regret is because he wasn't seemingly all there, I didn't, sorry, I didn't say what I should have said. So when I talk about learning from each experience, what I learned from this one is, you know, I wish I'd said it anyway, because I don't know what he would have processed or not, but like it was important. It should have been said. So I didn't. And then he died. And when he died, the upside to this was it wasn't devastating. It was celebratory because we knew how much he was suffering. Yeah. And we knew that like he his life on earth at this point had become like a living hell. Yeah. There's no quality to it. Alzheimer's is a terrible, it horrible, is. horrible disease. Um, my grandmother suffered it and I didn't get to spend a lot of time. I was in California at the time when she was suffering through it, but it's, I've, I've known so many people who have had a parent go through it and it's devastating because they're really physically there but there's no comprehension and they're just still walking. Well, and it depends because as we'll go through, I've got another parent who had a similar situation. Um, I think, I guess Alzheimer's is a loose term now because they really, no one really knows until you die and they can get in and look yeah. at your brain if it was Alzheimer's or dementia or what it was. So right. with him, there was a family history and like, you know, we know that that's what it was because they had an early onset and it yeah. neared his father who had been diagnosed, yada, yada. But then, um, but you learned a great lesson from that, Susan. I, think I did. One thing that people, especially at a young age too, right? Because mm -hmm. some people wait. And yeah. People can and I will tell you what. Today, where they're older and their parents are older, and then they don't say 
then they regret it. And then mm-hmm. it's, they can't do anything. Yeah. You had a chance to do something about it. Yeah. Well, and the thing I will say that helped me with that, and you know me, I'm a big believer that, um, I still feel that my parents are with me and that they know what's going on. So what helped me kind of process that was journaling where I, I wrote letters to him oh. and I just said everything I needed to say. And it really just putting it out there and into kind of on paper out in the universe, I felt better. But until I did that, it was like I was carrying around all of what I wanted to say and had nowhere to put it. So I would, I would say to anyone who finds themselves in a situation like that, just write it down, just get it out somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward 15 years, uh, my dad had had um, earlier on throat cancer and it came back as manifesting as some big thing in his jaw. And they basically said to him, and he was 77, um, they could do some like 30 something hour surgery and remove a big part of his face and his jaw. And it would, he might spend the rest of his life in pain, but it might like buy him some time or he could opt out. And he was like, um, I'm opting out. Like he wanted nothing to do with living, you know, the rest of his life disfigured and in pain Mm -hmm. because there was no guarantees that it would, that it wouldn't end up that way. And your um, relationship with him at that time? Like cause... my relationship with my dad, my entire life was really complicated. It, it, I, you know, there were good, good times and bad times at the time he died. We, we were on good terms. I was about to fly out there and help him, you know, and spend some time with him. And the last email I got, excuse me, cause this, Oh, this is going to be hard for me. Um, he yeah. said, you know, I sent him my flight information. And I'll say, I'd see you in two weeks. And he said, I love you. I hope I can last that long. I was 45. I had an 18-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 9-year-old. My 18-year-old that night was out, and it was midnight. My 15-year-old was on a plane coming back from Belize, and the police came to my door. Mm-hmm. And they just kept saying, can we please come in? And, of course... You can imagine as a parent, all I'm thinking is either Kelsey's plane crashed or Taylor's in a car accident because two police are at my door and they won't, they just keep saying, I keep, you know, I'm, I'm like hysterical. I'm like, oh my God, is this my son? Is it my daughter? And they're like, can we please come in? Can we please come in? And then they came in and they said, um, you know, do you know Robert Ritchie of Salsalito, California? And then, you know, the minute they said that, like I knew, um, he had talked about suicide and, uh, you know, my throughout my whole life that my parents both were like, Oh, you know, if we're ever suffering, yada, yada. So he had, um, gone outside. He was in the same house he'd rented for 20 years. He went out on the deck, wrapped himself in a tarp and shot himself in the heart. And he knew the hospice was coming that day to take him grocery shopping. So he knew someone would find him. Um, but the biggest gift he did, he did two years earlier at the time. I thought it was so like morbid. And I remember just being, you know, like, what is this? Like very immature, but he sent my brother and I what he called a death kit. And it was a list of every bank account and every, everything that you would need, plus every person he knew, all the contact information, everything. And when he died, I immediately got on a plane and flew right up there the next day. Um, And, you know, at the time you don't realize you're in shock. You're just trying, you're just like there, you've got things to do. You have to get up there. He was in a rental. We had to clean it out. We had to like, you know, do everything. 
And so I met my brother up there and thank God we had that death kit because we both sat there. My dad had left on the table, like his driver's license, his credit cards, his checkbook, his walk, like everything and and a note. And then we just started going through the death kit. And had I not had that, I can't, I can't even begin to imagine the stress that it would have been trying to figure all that out, weeding through his papers and trying like, what is what? Like it was right there in front of us and it was the biggest gift he could have given us. I mean, short of life and whatnot, you know, but think about it, how thoughtful and it was was. so thoughtful that I made my mom do one because I, uh, you know, I was like, listen, you don't understand. Like it was, we, we could have been there for weeks. We were in and out in a week. We had everything packed up, taken care of, and everything was done. And there was no way we could have taken care of all that. And we both had a week. His daughter was away for a week and my youngest was at camp for a week. So we both had this one week where we could go there and do it. And after that, it was going to get complicated for us. So again, huge, huge gift. And my takeaway from that was like, you know, recognizing, you know, at the time that he did it, like how thoughtful it was and how much I did not appreciate that, Mm -hmm. but it was tremendous gift. Yeah. And then the the foresight to think that through and, you know, no, he planned it, right. It was a total planning thing. It was two years earlier and he, you know, but he was kind of like, you know, at some point he knew he was in his seventies that was going to happen. He's like, listen, I'm just, I'm sending this to you guys for whenever you need. And I remember just being like, because he wasn't at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, dealing with any critical health things. And I was just like, what is, why is he sending me this? Like, it's so morbid. And then the minute he died, I thought, Oh my God. And I pulled it up and I was like, cause I never even really bothered to look at it, to be honest. But that's like really important because I do think, and, and I know I don't have that, but some people don't want to face the death, their death. So they don't, they, they think not doing anything about it is one way to not have to address it. Yeah. I think that's a very old school. I think that's changed. I think mm-hmm. it started to, but um, so as hard as that had to have been and difficult, it really was. Oh. It is for you and your brother. He'd already paid the crematorium. He already arranged for a spot. Like he did everything. Like we literally, I mean, we still had to make dozens upon calls and we had to, you know, donate and drive places and pack things and all of that. But, you know, it was like, he gave us a roadmap. So we didn't have to figure out, do we go left? Do we go right? It was like, no, 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 go left. You know, it was very clear. So that was huge. And then finally, the hardest, harder one. And I, you know, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I think a lot of people losing your mom is hard, you know, a lot of times the hardest. Of course it is. And, uh, you know, she had, did she have Alzheimer's? Did she have dementia? We don't know. But over the course of six years, she really declined. And my mom had also said, having witnessed my stepdad, don't ever let that happen to me. Don't ever let that happen to me. You have to promise me, like, you'll take my life, you know, and do something so that never happens to me. I'm like, I can't, I can't kill you. (laughs) Like, I got three kids. I can't kill you. But, you know, it it was getting really clear that um, the window for her to make any decisions was closing because I've been getting calls from the... um, place where she was living because she had opted to move into a retirement facility when she realized that it was beginning mm-hmm. and um they called and said she'd been walking around naked or she flushed a glass down the toilet and you know she had no recollection of any of this 
And ironically, or coincidentally, maybe I should say, I was reading an article like in a doctor's office or something, and it was about how California just passed the law to, you know, assisted death, you know, for people who are terminal. And there was a, like a questionnaire, like you could fill in this questionnaire and, you know, email this doctor. And so I went online and I did it and I said, look, I'm going to be there in two days. It's probably way too late. But, you know, this is what's going on. And my phone rang five minutes later and he was a mile away. It was his office from where she was living. And he was at an airport. He's like, listen, I'm at this conference, but I'll be there. I can meet with you, you know, the day after you get there. And he was unbelievable. And so he met with me first. And then what I did is I took her to the memory unit and I walked around where everyone was just literally like, like vacant with just sitting there being fed. And it was heartbreaking. And I said, you know, this is where you're going very soon. And she's like, that's, you know, that's ridiculous. And I told her what was going on with her, you know, walking naked. And she's like, I would never do that. And I said, listen, I've been flying across the country for six years, you know, every six weeks to, you know, take the temperature on you and be with you. And I would never lie to you. I'm like, I've got your back and I'm telling you this is what's going on. So you've always said you wanted to end your life. If this happened, you tell me how you pray every night that you die and you keep waking up. There's a doctor you could meet if you would like to. Yes, yes, yes. So how often, Susan, did she have those moments of lucidity versus like not understanding? She was relatively lucid most of the time when I was with her. But, you know, I was only with her incrementally. But she did have a few times. Literally, I was sitting there one day. We were sitting on her couch having a glass of wine. I got up and I walked, I'm going to say three feet to her kitchen table to pick something up. And I turned around and she looked at me. She goes, are you from around here? And I'm like, no, you know, I'm from Boston. And she's like, oh, Boston, that's a long way away. And it took me a few minutes to realize she had no idea who I was. And Uh I said something like, mom, she was mom. I'm not your mom. You're not Susan. And I'm like, and so I made a joke like, oh, I guess it's because I look so young or I made something made light of it. But like, she, she, she didn't know who I was, but then she kind of went along with it. You could tell she just pretended like, okay, I'm just going to go along with this because they do that when they're scared. Yes. Um, so she, she did, I would see things like that, or I would take her to the grocery store. And one time I couldn't go in with her because her car battery died. So we had, you know, we'd had it jumpstart and I had to keep it running and she clearly forgot why she was there. And so she came out with like this bag of just rando, like weird spices and Asian food stuff she would never eat because she just wanted to act like she, you know, I think she just yeah. was like, Oh my God, I don't know. I'm here. I'm scared. So I'm just going to pretend. So, you know, she did that, but you could have a conversation with her. Yeah. So it was, she was on the cusp, but she was, it, but it, the weird thing about Alzheimer's dementia, dementia, whatever it was, it can overnight, they can lose huge chunks of who they are. And so you, I knew the window, if she was walking around naked, flushing glasses down the toilet, you knew that it was coming. Mm-hmm. So she met with a doctor, but we had to do multiple meetings and tape her repeatedly saying, yes, this is what I want because, you know, there's legalities involved. And she was very clear every single time they offered her, we could do medication for depression. We could do this. We could try all these therapies. And she was like, nope, I'm out of here. So they said, listen, we can't give you a cocktail because you're not technically terminal, but if you stop eating and drinking, we can make you comfortable. So I had to move her out of her facility because they were you know, licensed to be caring for her. So I just said, oh, she's going to go visit with me and you know, she'll come back. And I had to move her into a hospice facility the doctor had. Um, and then she stopped eating and drinking. 
And it was interesting because she was a severe diabetic and she stopped taking her insulin and she got more and more lucid. I mean, the fright, she was there three days and I'd gone out that Friday because I'd gone in her drawer to look at what she packed. And she, my mom was really weird about never packing enough underwear. And then she'd like wash it out, whatever. I was like, I, I was like, okay, I got to go buy her underwear. She's doing so well. I'm going to be here for weeks. So I went and bought her underwear and I came back and she, we watched Forrest Gump and she remembered it. Like she remembered it from years before. And I was like, oh my God, she's doing so well. So I had an Airbnb down the street that I was going to stay in until she was like unconscious. And then they, I was going to sleep in the room with her. I got back and I always put her to bed and got there before she woke up. I got back the next morning at like six in the morning and they said, she's not, she's not doing very well. And I, I peeked in the room. She was snoring. I closed the door. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, she got up at five. She was, you know, having trouble walking. She's kind of wobbly. She threw up. And I said, okay, well, you know, this is, I think, day four of not eating and drinking, like, you know, nothing, you know, so yeah, she's weak. So I went back in and her breathing was really labored and, um, I freaked out. I immediately texted the doctor and the nurse, you promised she wouldn't suffer. She seems like she's struggling. They're like, we'll be right there. So, you know, they, they came, they gave her morphine and they said, she's not snoring. They said, that's the death rattle. And they said, look, and they pulled up the sheets and showed her blood was modeling on her legs. And they said, um, she's going to die today. And I kept, I I was clearly in shock because I kept saying, but I just bought her underwear. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around that. She was totally fine the night before, but which was, look, this was the biggest gift to be fine and then done. But I was so not prepared. I was like, what? So I just, I sat there and I held her hand and I like played Frank Sinatra and I read to her. And then I texted my friend who is a healer. And I said, what do I do? Oh, let me back up though and tell you something interesting. Two times while she was unconscious, she sat up, she pointed at the pictures of all the family members on the wall. And then she held both her arms up as a, you know, little kid holding their arms up to be picked up, you know, when your kids are little and they put both their arms up to you. And then she lay back down. She did that twice. And that comes into play later. So just file that away. So then my girlfriend who I texted said, um, she said, listen, just tell her it's okay to go. So I just started saying like, you know, it's okay. And then she just did this one kind of weird gasp and that was it. Now, my advice to anyone in this situation is when they come to take your parent away, which they have to do when they put them in the bag and come out, don't be there because no one told me that I was standing there when they wheeled her out. And that, that was a horrible way to have to an image that, right. Yeah. Your last, yeah. Your last yeah. All right. But, but I, I called my girlfriend the next day, the one who had said, just, you know, tell her it's okay to go. And she said to me, Oh, Susan, all night long, I, well, I actually have to interrupt myself to say, I used to, my mom was an atheist and I used to always say to her, you're wrong. And when you get there, there's going to be this big party and everyone's going to be waiting for you. And she'd laugh and go, oh, I hope you're right. But you know, you're wrong. And I said, well, you better give me a big ass sign when you find out I'm right. So my friend Lori was on the phone and she said, oh, Susan, I kept seeing your mom all night long. And she was so happy. She was with your stepdad. And she said for me to tell you, she finally made it to the party. And then she said to me, did your mom hold her arms up and like point at something a couple times? And I said, yeah, like she sat up twice and pointed at the pictures on the wall. And she said to me, she was trying to tell you that you were right. 
and that they were waiting for her and she was holding her arms up so they could take her. Yeah. So um, I think the takeaway from this was, you know, I thought I was prepared. I sat by her bedside, but I got to tell you, you're not no matter prepared. how prepared you think you are, you, you are never prepared and it will creep up on you on and off the rest of your life sure. in, in little ways. And it'll get easier. And I mean, normally I don't cry talking about it, but I also don't relive her death. Um, it gets easier, but it's just, it's a tremendous loss that you don't even really realize until it happens. Until you need a time, right? Or until you need a time where you want to share something with your mother or you have something you want to tell her or think about, oh, I should ask her about this or what do I do in these situations? We don't think about it as much. No, there, and there's but, like family history stuff. From yeah. like, someone will ask me something. I'm like, and I don't have anyone to go ask. They're all gone. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, did you have a history of this or do you, did you, and I'm like, yeah, I got nothing. Right. Yeah. No. And you've had, you've had some all very real, very difficult, difficult situations of passings. And, but you know what I will say that has helped me is as I've told you, I, you know, I have a friend who's a medium, but, um, I, I never wanted to tap her until my mom died. So she did do a healing with me when my mom died. That was very helpful. But when my dad had died, a friend of mine had said, there's this amazing medium at this spa in Connecticut. She's like, we should go. So we, we went and the woman only knew my first name. And I went in and first she was talking all about Scott's dad and it, he had just died. And I mean, it was amazing all the stuff she knew, but then um, I used to like feel a presence in my car and I would just talk to it. Like, I'm like, I don't know who you are, but like, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so she's, she says, okay, there's a man here. He's showing me a hole in his heart. He shot himself through the heart. Do you know who that is? And like, she goes, is this your father? And I was like, oh shit. Cause that wasn't in the news. There's no way you could ever know that there was, that was, no one knew that. And I'm like, yeah, she said, he wants you to know he's worried. He's the one in the car and he's worried about your driving. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess he is with me. Yeah. Um, but I think that for me, feeling like they're still with me and mm -hmm. that they're watching me drive and being like, oh, put that phone down, man. Right. Um, yeah. It it does make it a little easier because I at least feel like then where when there are these moments when my children get married. Yes, they're all you know. someone you know that they're there. And I mean, that is such a huge part though of all of it, right? And it's out of acceptance. That there is life. That's why I think people have to have faith. So I think that's the connection people have to understand. And I think it doesn't go for everybody, but I do think it will bring you peace if you know that we're all connected and that you, you come back or you, you don't leave or you, you know, there's, there's other ways that you can relate to the people who have passed in your life. There's, you know, clearly physical remembrances of things that you can have of your mother's but faith can play a huge part in, in how you not just recover, but how you look at it and, and how process you, process and how you look at it um, going forward, right. In your life. Right. Cause you know, we've all, we were taught me growing up as a Catholic, you know, heaven, and that's where you go. But I think that it's bigger than that. I think that there is the, you know, connections and people's near death experiences where they've talked about the people that they've shared their life with, that they get to see again. And mm -hmm. How it is a big party so I think your analogy to your mom was mm -hmm. great and it, there you go you got confirmation of that which is more than a lot yeah. 
would ask for. And oh, silly, because I didn't tell Lori about the party thing. That was just my joke with my mom. Right. So for her to say she told me to tell you she finally made it to the party, I was like, yes, the relief, you know, of like, okay, she's okay. Yeah. Because I was carrying around this like. I don't know if guilt is the right thing. Like this, quite this heavy question: Did I do the right thing? Because yes, I didn't kill her, but right. I helped her get there. Yeah, I did what she had asked me to do. But then I was like, you yeah, know, but that's still someone's life. And it's like, did I do the right thing? And when I went to Lori for my reading, I walked in, and Lori started laughing, and I'm, I'm like, I burst out crying, and and I just said, I need to know I did the right thing. And Lori started laughing. She goes, I'm sorry. Your mom has been with me all day. She, she's like, I love her sense of humor. And she said, she just told me to tell you, yeah, what took you so long? And, which yeah. is totally what my mom probably would have said. Right. So right. then I was like, okay, like I can let it go now. Like she's sure. okay. And, you know, and she's still with me. It's just, she's not here physically. Right. Right. Well, that is a gift. And, and, and we can, and a couple things. Thank you for sharing all those stories. Cause those were hard clearly. And they have to be. And, um, it, you know, it's good to talk about them, I think, just generally. And it's kind of interesting to see it because I've heard about it with you from all this d- different periods of your life, but never in one compilation like that. And the emotions, I mean, it's always going to have emotions. That's a good thing, right? It's a good thing to have that love and that feeling um, of missing people and wanting them in your lifestyle. And I think that's that's what life is all about. So. So thank you for that. But then there's the other part that I was going to talk about with you and your confirmation of your mother. You've had to make some very difficult things and do some difficult things on your own where good or, good or bad, let's see how that is going to be for me, right? Right. Oh, I have four other sisters. So there yes. are five girls, no brothers, five girls. And we're emotional in our own ways. We're very stubborn in our own ways. We're very mindset in our own ways. And I am sure it's going to be a shit show. Well, I would say this to you. My advice to you is to remember when you're going through it. I would say this to anybody. Everyone processes grief differently. And so like, I know people who just compartmentalize and like, yep, it's okay. It's gone. But, and you, it's like, you know, they're hurting, but they just, they either can't face it, won't face it, or are doing it in the privacy of crying in the shower or whatever they're doing. But if your sister, any of your sisters aren't reacting the way you think they should, try not to judge that because it's just, we're all different and we're all going to handle it differently. Sure. And I, and I know that, and I, and I, and I have a pretty good idea, but you you don't know, you don't know at the time. Right. And again, fortunately, again, as I started early on saying, both of my parents are still here. My dad is having some physical, you know, walking is becoming an issue just, but he's in his eighties. So, but, but other than that, he's still working. He's still amazing. He's still the deacon at the church doing baptisms will perform funerals and wakes. I mean, so he still is. So his mind is there and he's still walking and he loves to cook and, you know, he's still getting around, but there is a definite, you can definitely see him slowing and and having a hard time and almost stumbling sometimes where I'm just like, you need a cane dad. You need a walker. You need Uh, my mom needed that. She wouldn't do it. No, they won't. She ended up falling and knocking her teeth out and things like that. Cause she just was like, she would have no, nothing to do with a walker. Right. And she was at the point where she was, she'd walk so gingerly. It was like, and she was always a really fast walker. 
Yeah. And suddenly it's like, you know, she, you could tell it was, it was a struggle to some degree, but they get really stubborn about walkers and taking away their car keys. Yeah. That's, oh, which, that's, you know, that story, which is, I can that. tell that at the end of this, that was actually pretty funny, but yeah. Yeah, we do know that story, but you know, it was, it's, it's tough, but they're both, both very getting around and they love to do their stuff outside in their garden. My mom's a little bit younger. Now her mother, she's in her late seventies, right? Seventies. My grandmother had Alzheimer's or dementia, like you said, whatever you want to call it. So we kind of suspect at some point it's going to hit one of my parents, probably my mother. Not not necessarily. I think, I think it's my, I think with my mom's a big part of hers and I could be completely wrong, but being a severe diabetic, because she was also that in denial about everything, not just a walker, but like, she was like, it was like a dirty secret. So like, she would like not take her insulin uh-huh. and, and she'd end up having these, um, going into a coma, having these diabetic reactions. Uh-huh. And, um, she, my brother would find her unconscious and stuff like multiple times. So we both kind of suspect that she was getting little bits of brain damage each time she was on the cusp of death and was discovered. And they were many, many times. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, I think it varies. I mean, I I hope for your sake that you, your mom doesn't, because I don't know that it's necessarily like, Oh, blue eyes, blue eyes. I don't know. You know, if one grandparent has it you necessarily need your parent gonna have it yeah let's hope not because I know it's so devastating my aunt passed um almost a year ago actually and it was it's so hard to believe it was a year ago and Aunt Jerry was you know really special to all of us all of my sisters and I she was our only aunt directly my mother's only sister and it's very close to us and um she had suffered pain she had back pain and and osteoporosis and she had physical pain and she right. was better than my mom. She had years and years of physical pain, but physical pain too can wear on you and just really make you old very quickly. Sure. Just did. And she just suffered so much pain. And then it just kind of wrapped into other physical issues, but she never had a problem. And, you know, one, one morning, one late night, I got the phone call that she had had a massive heart attack and that was it. There was, there's no, I just was thinking about her. I just needed to call her and I, why didn't I, right? Like I just wanted to, and there is so much good in that, that she didn't have to have this prolonged kind of death sentence and that she didn't have to suffer more. But the fact that it was just so sudden that none of us, and we lived in different States. My mom lived in it, you know, and it was my mother's last surviving sibling family well it's harder it was a blessing for her that it was quick but it's harder on those around because you're not prepared and it just rocks your world because you're like wait a minute like I was gonna call her I was gonna go see her or whatnot yeah so that's a tougher thing so but um you know for the fact of my mom and dad let's just hope that they do get that piece like that that it does happen rather quickly kind of I mean I know that Mm -hmm. sounds terrible to say no no I mean my mom used to always say she wanted to go to sleep and not wake up like she was like I just wanted to be like boom and I'm done on it like that I think everybody but at least I will say the one thing that COVID I've noticed over COVID which I'm sure a lot of people have and and I can't speak to it because I didn't have my folks put into a home where you where I couldn't see them I was able to see them even though it was restricted their mental my mother especially her mental capacity I feel there's a slowness a little bit to her yes. like grasping and understanding. And I think that has to do with that because they were very oh, 
I can tell you, hands down, my girlfriend had a, her mom in the same facility my mom originally was in. And um, it was a big, like, condos and apartment buildings and homes. And it was beautiful. And they all would dress up and have dinner together. And her mom, Betty, was like the mayor. She was on every committee. Everyone knew her. Like, she was adorable. I love her. And but she had this tiny apartment because she was like, Deidre was like, why don't you can afford something bigger? Why don't you get something bigger? She's like, I'm not, I'm sleeping there. Okay. Yeah. But then COVID hit and yeah. Dieter couldn't go see her. And, um, see she said to me, you know, they, they couldn't go to their meals because, you know, they all had said meals were brought, you know, to their rooms. And she said, she saw a big decline. Cause it was, here's a person, a lot like my stepdad, like bigger than life and like the life of the party and just so gregarious. And then all of a sudden the brakes are slammed on and you're locked in this little space. Yeah. And there, and, and, and I can see it even with my folks, even in a house that they have, that yeah, they, it, but the lack of social and stimulation. Them, yeah. Their church, right. The things that were important to them, even, you know, a grocery store run, it was simple, but you never know who they'd run into or it kept them. It, it kept it's, their minds active, right? How many coupons do I have? Oh, for sure. Short? It's all part of being part of the community and it's right. part of your life. And then suddenly it's just taken away from you overnight and, you know, I think we've all gotten a little slower from COVID. I know I have, but, you know, circumstances like that are, are even more extreme when they're elderly and they're right. already, you know. And so now we're struggling with the move, right? The, the big move. They're in this big house. It's getting overwhelming for them to care for it. They love their space. My mother loves her things. That yes. is a big thing of this, of that age generation. She can't bear to part with those things. And there's stairs and they need to get away from the stairs. So when do you start like putting the brakes on, you know, is it going to be an accident? I keep telling them, are we going to have a trauma before mm-hmm. you're going to make a decision to do something? And it's, you know, you don't think about pushing, pushing and forcing. Cause you almost are like, that's such a hard situation <laughs> to be in, right? Like, what do you do? Do you, it's, make it's, it? it's a catch 22. Yeah. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. And then I have four other opinions, right? So it's not yes. as the oldest one. I have four other opinions and everyone has a different opinion. And I will tell oh, you, God, so we all have a different opinion and everyone also has a different bandwidth, right? Mm-hmm. Luckily for me now I have more bandwidth. I can focus with them and talk to them more about it. My other sisters are working, you know, extra long, extra responsibilities because mm-hmm. of work from home situation. So their bandwidth is smaller, but believe me, the good news is if something serious happens, I have them all here and they'll all be here in a second. We are very close. And now. you live so near your parents too. Right. It's not like you have to get on a plane or even drive a couple hours. You've got what, 10 oh, minutes? I mean, that's so lucky. I heard your stories and I'm like, I can't even imagine. I mean, I am right there within five minutes. So that's a good thing. But like, when do you start to push and say, here's what you got to do and here's how you do it. They know the capacity. They, they understand mentally what they have to do. They're just not doing it. And so but they also get like angry. Like my mom yes, was like angry. the exactly. fact that she didn't kill someone with her car before I got it away from her is huge. But I had a very uh, fine line to walk with that because I was the one looking out for her. And I was afraid if I pushed too hard, she might push me away. And like I, I was worried about her being taken advantage of being a single um, well-to-do older woman. Yeah, um, sure. 
So when she moved into her second facility, I said to them, um, this is my funny story. I said to them, what's the parking situation? And they looked at me, they said, what do you want it to be? And I was like, oh, hallelujah. I said, you need to tell her you don't have a parking spot for her. So they did. And she was like, oh, I guess I'll have to get rid of my car. And I said, well, listen, you know, Lindsay's 16. Like my mom had this old beat up car because of course she was a terrible driver. She kept saying, look (laughs) what people did to my car in the parking lot. I'm like, nope, (laughs) nope. I've seen you drive. Pretty sure you did that. Um, So we agreed we would ship it to Lindsay. So we ship it to Lindsay. We're all in agreement. You know, she's there the day the truck comes to pick it up, the whole thing. And then I get this letter in the mail, like, I don't know, three months later, Susan, I want to know why you stole my car. You just <laughs> up and stole my car. It goes on and on. And I was so upset. And my husband's like, listen, you, that's not your mom. Like she isn't your mom anymore. This is this, like, she's, this isn't who, you know, which is true. She was a different person. Once the dementia Alzheimer's kicked in, they aren't sure. the same person. Right. So he said, he said, she doesn't remember anything. So just like, forget about it. She's yeah. I go, okay. So like three months goes by. And usually when my mom sends a letter, then she's mean to you until like you address it. But of course, she wasn't my mom anymore. So suddenly one day on the phone, she goes, aren't you going to say anything? I said, about what? She goes, about how you stole my car. <laughs> and I said, um, so I said mom, I, I, I said, you know, I'm trying not to get angry at you. But listen, I'm out there every six weeks. I do everything for you. Do you really think I would have stolen your car? Like we can afford a car. I said, you had no parking spot and you agreed to ship it to Lindsay. And you need to stop this. It's not nice what you're doing. And you know how much I do for you. Okay, I'm sorry. I just didn't remember, blah, blah, blah. So then she dies and I'm going through her stuff and I find this stationery that I'd made for her with these photographs and I'm looking through and some are blank and I thought, okay, I'll hold on to these to put pictures of her friends when I send them letters like, oh, I thought you might want this picture of the two of you. And I open one that says, I don't remember who it was too. So dear whoever, I'm sorry I haven't uh, reached us sooner. Susan up and stole my car. <laughs> and then it, that's all it says. Like she never finished the letter. Yeah. So then the I go story. to dinner with her best friend, Edna, and we're sitting at dinner and we're having this lovely time. And then all of a sudden she goes, you know, the one thing your mom never got over is how you stole her car. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus Christ, she's dead. And I can't get away from it. But so the best, those are the stories that can make you laugh. Like, yes, right? but like, went from one emotion to the next yes. but so sad but it's hilarious it is hilarious but my point is it's a fine line because you're you're taking care of your parents and you want to make sure that they allow you to care for them but if you push too far too soon they might push back and that was my thing with my mom is like you know had I had I got can you imagine if I insisted on taking it (laughs) like I I never would have heard that but at least this was intermittent but um it is a fine line because every little thing they, that you take or that they have to give up, it's like it's a step for them closer to their end. And they know that. Yeah. So it's a really scary thing like, oh, I can't drive. So that's one more step towards death. Oh, I have to move into you know one level because I can't go upstairs. I mean, it really is them facing the reality of the situation. And that's terrifying because at that point, it's right around the corner because, you yeah. know, 10 years, five years, 10 years, that's nothing. And that goes not by. Just- it's not just for them either. I think it's their legacy, right? I think that's why my mom has such a hard time. Like there was, you know, when my aunt, you know, died, my, you know, my uncle, I, w- I was able to go out and help him pack up and get things ready. And they had been planning for some time to, to move to a, a smaller place. They never did it because they just weren't quite ready again, mm-hmm. but they had been planning. So they had a lot of stuff organized and they had done something sort of similar to your father, a little different. 
she had she had a lot of things that were special to her that she put into her will that she gave to my sisters and I. And so we had to go through the house and collect those things, right? Waterford, China, okay, eye roll, silver, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it, as we're packing this stuff, it's just, it's so evident to me that it doesn't mean the same to my generation no. of children at all. But my mother wanted to see everything that was coming from there. And she insisted on having some of the things that were her mother's that my aunts got. She has, she had to have them and have them in her possession. And I, they, so it was just more stuff, more stuff, but it's like this legacy, like this was my mother's without any, like, I I, I can't quite get her to, to understand that this is wonderful, but this will die with me and my sisters, right? Mm -hmm. Are our children going to appreciate it as much? There might be some things they think of my grand, you know, my mother, Mm -hmm. their grandmother of, but it's just not, I think that is such a hard thing for them to get their arms around because that generation went through the depression, right? So it's like they would get like their grandmother's dining room table or whatever. And like that would pass down. So yeah, where our kids, when they first got the first apartments, I remember saying, oh, we've got some stuff in the basement. You and they were like, I don't want your stuff. Like they were like, gross i was like okay yeah (laughs) we'll donate that but it's nicer than what you can buy at ikea yeah things were very special to them and Mm -hmm. and and important that they kept on to it so i think that that's part of it they can't give that up because then i feel like giving up a part of their life or they're giving that part away so we're we're struggling a little with that part we're struggling a little with you know trying to get them to go to a smaller place but all of that said, it, it's going to be an interesting challenge, right? Because what's going to happen? We don't know. We're trying to prepare for that. But I will say my mother is smart. She's, she's got her stuff together. She's made sure that every one of my sisters and I have a very specific role in what to do. Someone is, oh. my, my lawyer's sister's the attorney. She has to handle the trust. I'm going to handle some parts of the finances or whatever part it is. Another sister is gets the DNR responsibility or whatever the health issues, because she knows I don't get the health issues because mm-hmm. I'll be similar to you. Like I, I will compartmentalize and say, are they suffering? We have to, you know, we can't go. Mm-hmm. So, so she's outlined in her will. I wouldn't say the the death kit, but I think pretty close to all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, account. I think if your dad passes first, Sure. And, and that you might want to revisit it with your mom then because, you know, if, yeah, because then it's like, listen, we've got all these things, but like, I need to know, you know, where, what are your bank accounts and what are your life insurance policies and, you know, all of that. Cause that was the kind of stuff that like, if you don't know about it yet, you'd be digging going, did he have a life insurance policy? Did they have this? Like, You need to at least know what's there and what are the things that you're going to have to wrap up and, you know. Well, sadly, I think she has that. That's all done. And she okay. gave it to me and she gave me the um, uh, combination to the safe, which okay. I don't remember. So, oh, shit. So, well, you but, hope she does. You better I, get that, and, uh, get that get, somewhere. Because she has that all, all done. One thing my okay. mother is a super organized. So yeah. all of that is well, already done. I got to tell you, I'm loving your mom right now. Yeah, she is. she's a oh. woman after my own heart. Everything is all done and very specific, but again, it's in the safe, honey. Okay. Where's the safe? Well, the keys and the shoe and the closet. Okay. Wait, I have to do what, right. It's like, of course, one of those situations. You know what? Write it down somewhere. Yeah, I know. Like, I have to do that. Because it, in the moment, honestly, like 
I couldn't even, I, I now know I was in shock. Like with my mom, like I left, you know, they, they took her away and I knew I had to pack everything up because I'd been out there for weeks and I just, I was just wanted to get home to my family. Yeah. And I stopped at Walmart to buy boxes and I literally left my card there, my credit card. Like I was so like, just not there. And, and so like, if you had said to me, Oh, what's the combination and where's the key or something like that, I would not have been able to tell you. So create a file and just put any notes or anything that comes up in that one file so that at the time you can be like, Tom, it's in the file. Like, just go get that file because you really, it's a, I just can't put words to, to the experience, but you don't know how you're going to react and there's a very good chance your brain will shut off for a while. Right. I'm sure it will, because I can just tell all of the emotionality and the emotions of my sisters and everybody else is going to really, so you're right. So the good news is she's prepared for that. Um, so that, that's, you know, that's one good thing, but I think, you know, this has been, this was a good, I like, this was, this was a good discussion today, Susan. I, I, I really do. Like I said, I pr- appreciate you sharing all that emotion again. And, um, you know, it's tough to go through. I know that there's other people who have gone through situations. I just did it a year ago with my aunt Jerry. Like mm-hmm. it's, it, it's almost surreal to me because we didn't, the last few years, we didn't see her as much as we, we right. used to. Um, so it's just almost surreal that she's not around anymore, that I'm just not going to drive and see her, but right. you're right. I must've taken four trips to Springfield, Missouri last summer. That yeah, I remember. You know, back and forth, back and forth, packing. What can I do to help? Packing, bringing stuff back, packing. That I never thought about the length of the trip, the duration, and what I was doing. It's just like there, there, there was a task. At you, you kind of click into autopilot, and you do sure. what needs to be done. And, and what happens a lot of times is later, it hits you. Like with my mom, I didn't realize those six years that I was flying back and forth, constantly kind of taking the temperature and how she was doing Crazy that now. I, that I was, my heart was broken that I, I had lost her already. I didn't yeah. think about it. I was like, I got to take care of her. I've got to get out there. When can I squeeze yeah. this in? What can I work it around my kids and where, what they're doing? And then when she finally died and it's like, she died at the same time that my husband had just taken a job out of state and I had to sell a house and buy a house. And it was like, a, there were tens on my list all over the place of what I was dealing with. And I just, at one point, like collapsed on the floor in our bathroom when we were talking about the sale of our house and like the price and, and I just wanted it done. And, you know, my husband was, you know, going back and forth a little bit and out of nowhere, I just like the, I was sobbing like, like a wild animal almost. And it was one of those things where like, I was almost watching myself going, yeah. Oh my God, I didn't know you were in so much pain, yeah. but I think I had taken six years of being on autopilot, just pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. So I could do what needed to be done. That's and right. when I finally had the opportunity and something, you know, it was that something triggered it. It's like, it all came out and I didn't even know it was there. And I, it, I think it surprises you. It can creep up at the sure. most unexpected times and so you just need to do everything you can ahead of time to be prepared, have your notes, whatever, because you don't know if, if you're going to lose your shit too. <laughs> you don't know what stage in life you're going to be at, right? Is no, or what other things are going to be on your plate. Yes, exactly. And, and again, that, 
it's not to be sounding selfish that, oh, we don't have time for this, but you just don't know what other emotions you're dealing with, like you, a house and another house and a new job. And leaving, leaving all my friends and moving across the country right. and like all, there were just so many things going on at that time. Right. And, and, you know, and then she had been my person. And then I realized, oh, I lost my person years ago. Right. And then, then it was like, oh, all that pain that I've been pushing down every time I went and it was a little more heartbreaking and a little sadder just came bubbling up and I was like, Oh my God. So because your person is gone and that's, it's going to be, it's, it's going to change a lot in my family. I know that. So I can, I, I think the more prepared you are just hard to talk about. Yeah. The more prepared you are in keeping files and keeping notes about like, remember to do this or, you know, what the teeny, even if it seems like a small thing, like, let me give you an example that is completely unrelated, but do you ever do this? Like you have something and you put it somewhere and you're like, I'll remember it's here. Oh, and then when you go to find it, you're ripping your house apart. You have no idea where it is. Jewelry. It's the same. Con- it's the same concept. It's like, you think these little things that your mom tells you or that you make a mental note of, you're going to remember at the moment because it's such a simple, small thing. Write it down because it's just like when you stick something in a drawer somewhere and you think you're going to remember it's there and then you don't. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. Like if you can't find it in your brain because you're trying to process way too much. And then I think the other thing is too with mom, she has faith. They have such faith. My mom and dad have such a deep faith. In yes. And that they're not afraid. They they they're not acting today like it. They will talk about dying, talk about when they're dead. They'll talk about you know how we're all going to behave and what we're mm-hmm. all you know. Missy's going to come in and throw everything out. You know, <laughs> they, about, they will talk about that and not fear it. Like some people won't talk about it and fear it, and they won't address it. So I think maybe we're both fortunate in that respect because your your stepdad, you know, he he wasn't. He wanted to had a plan. Your mother, you know, she was addressing it. So that was one good thing. Cause they wouldn't. Whereas my aunt Jerry, I don't think she feared it, but I just don't think they talked. It just didn't seem like they talked about what they were going to do. And, right. that- it came- and then it came out of left field. It-, it comes out of left field. So, you know, if there's anything to learn from that. So, well, we promise that our next episode won't be as intense. In- <laughs> these are- I don't know. Amazon yeah, finds is pretty about. intense. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's cutthroat. What are you talking about? That's it's like, not- <laughs> I yeah, I might be choked up a lot when I talk about the things that I got on Amazon that I think <laughs> yeah. are awesome. Yeah, <laughs> but they will be tears of joy. I know tears of joy <laughs> for sharing for everybody. So, all right, well, Susan, thanks again. This was great. Have a good, have a good one, listeners. You know where to find us. You had me at martini at gmail.com. Please like us on Spotify, Anchor. Apple, all the Google, Radio Public, and follow us on Instagram. You had me at Martini. Yeah. And we haven't really gotten too far with TikTok, so don't worry about that for now. Don't forget (laughs) much. Yeah. We're trying. We're trying. Well, are we, though? I think we might have tried a little, and then we're like, this is hard. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Susan. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome to You Had Me at Martini. I'm Susan and I'm joined in person by my co-host Melissa. Hello everybody. Here we are again enjoying time together and just catching up on all our podcasts. That's right. Lucky Lucky you guys. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And for those of you who are just joining us and have never heard any of ours, we'll give the brief synopsis, which is we're two boomaxers. Yep, you heard it. Baby boomers closer to Gen X 
So, boom Xers and uh, COVID time, nothing to do. <laughs> podcast. There you go. It's, right? <laughs> yeah, Did yeah, I miss anything? Much. No, I think that covers it. Okay. Much, for so sure. today we are going to do what we're calling the lightning round. A friend of mine gave me a game, and of course I left the game. Oh, here it says it Chit on the cards. Chit chat. My friend Meru. Shout out to Meru gave this to me saying, hey, I thought you, this might help you with your podcast. So Melissa and I each pulled questions from it without letting the other one see. And we're going to ask each other these questions and just, you know, see where it takes us. So, kind of like a little game. Yeah. So you want to go first? Sure. You ready for these? I'm ready. What scared you most when you were young? Hmm. God, that's a good question. I, I don't know. They're I guess, all good questions. I mean, uh, I have my answer. Maybe it'll prompt you. Yeah, I can't. I'm The what? flying monkeys. Oh, yeah, those were terrifying. <laughs> and we would cry. Yeah. For those uh-huh. of you who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about oh, Wizard yeah. of Oz. Oh, it yeah. came on once a year. Uh-huh. You'd find it in the TV guide. Your parents uh-huh. would have you sit down and watch it. Yeah. And, yes, it was very traumatic. But yet, it was something an annual event. It's like, it's, every year, it's time it. to traumatize She's coming. Kids. She's coming. <laughs> Wait, here comes the part. It was. It was like the one of the only shows on TV that was like so major. And it was ridiculous. But I don't know. I didn't have like fear of anything happening to me when I was younger, I guess. Yeah. I just was... I just remember that when I read that question, I'm like, oh, those fucking monkeys. Yeah, I'm glad you came up with that yeah. because honestly, I was pretty fearless. Like someone broke in the house when yeah. I was alone. And I was just kind of like, I, you know, the police came and I was oh, like, yeah. yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> like now I would be like out of there immediately. Mm-hmm. So yes, yes, that's a good one. All right, here's okay. one. Yeah. If you could only eat one kind of ethnic food for the next year, what would you pick? Mediterranean. Okay, so elaborate. Olives, cheese, salads, fish. Oh, so you're going the healthy route. Yeah. Okay. Because I do actually, I enjoy that a lot. Oh, no, I love that. But I think I think I would go... That or Italian, because I'd have to go yeah, like... See, my toss-up was Italian or Ethiopian. I love the soft, squishy mm. bread that you pick up the food mm. with. And they have so many different flavors and spices, but it's never so spicy that you're like guzzling water and your mouth is on right. fire. Yeah, it's not like Indian food, my favorite. Yeah, so I don't know, but pasta. I know, that would be a hard. I mean, I guess, okay, let me qualify it. Let's, Let's qualify say if you, could, oh, no, if you weren't going to gain weight, yeah, there you go. what would you be? And I guess oh, I, if I wasn't going to gain weight, I'd go Italian. I think I would too. Yeah. Because there's plenty of selection of Italian stuff. Yeah. Che- Anything cheesy. Bread, Bread cheese. Yeah. Uh-huh. But they have seafood and meat mm-hmm. and stuff. But there's, it's always with the side of they pasta. Do. Yeah, so, there you go. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. a good one. All right. Would you rather have a great... I know the answer to this one. So I just had okay. to... I, I'm okay. asking it just because it gives us insight into us. Okay. Would you rather have a great wardrobe or an amazing car? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's so easy. Wardrobe. Wardrobe. No questions. On to the next one. Okay. I mean, seriously. That, yeah, that's a no-brainer. I know. That just made okay. me laugh, though, because we're just always talking about our clothing. And, of course, we could give two craps about yeah. what kind of car. Okay, go. This one, so this one, I had to really, like, think and think, and I couldn't oh, come no. up with one of the two. Okay. If you found out you were adopted, mm. who would you choose to be your birth parents? Now, see, I think I know what you're going to say. Goodness, I was adopted. Mm-hmm. Who would I choose to be my birth parents? Oh, actually, I know exactly who I I'm going to say. That's um, 
Do you want me to help you by telling you who I would choose? Yeah. See if that prompts me. So I would choose for my mother, my friend Maria's mother, Vangie, because she's just yeah, the most delightful okay. little creature. She's warm. She always makes you feel loved and cared oh, about. She's nice. hilarious. And for my dad, I couldn't come up with one. Then I'm like, wait, what did we watch last night? Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Oh, I would there like you go. The character of Ted Lasso yeah, to be my dad. Yeah, the character of Ted Lasso. And I yeah. would like Maria's mom, Vangie, to be my mother. So what about you? Does that help at all? No, because I think I still like go to, well, okay, hold on. Let's see. Maybe someone like for my mom. I'm trying to think of people who I think are great and just like, I, I think of my mom or like, my sister's personalities, and I think I'm not thinking outside the box. But you enough, can pick your I own parents. Pick... I thought you would immediately go, "Oh, I would just pick my parents because you I, have I such do. great parents." So that's then that's okay. You can say that. But I'm trying to think of you what I, I would didn't choose. Pick mine. <laughs> I know you didn't. But I'm trying to think what I would choose if you could, or who have I would parents. if I shouldn't have my parents. That's a really interesting prompting question because, like, I don't have any other parents that I friends parents that I think are super cool I don't know I don't know that's a good one I like not it. even Ted Lasso well, for I your dad Ted Lasso for my dad for sure I mean, he's so awesome yeah. yeah I mean that would be it for sure I think he's just like so cool but he's just you know of the moment I suppose if I really really had to think about it I would I don't know who else I could choose okay but he is kind of of the moment okay good okay all right ready Okay, here's mine. What chore would you love to never do again? Chore? Mm-hmm. Oh, hmm. I guess when we are out in California, we have this trash can in the backyard that I clean up the <laughs> dog poop and put in, and then every week I have to empty that giant trash can full of dog poop into a trash, another trash bag. It's just gross. I think I'd love to not do that again. Because it smells really nice, I'm yeah, sure, it's after it's heat. been fermenting <laughs> yes. in the heat, I'm sure. It's pretty delightful, I'm not going to lie. Mine's pretty simple. Grocery shopping. Really? I don't mind grocery shopping. I, I don't mind... The shopping, if I didn't have to go home and put it all away. So let's see, maybe I'll grocery shop and I'd like to have to never go home and put it away. Or then cook and prepare the meal. Like sometimes I just, I'm like so sick of grocery shopping. I felt like I'm just like done of it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with grocery yeah, shopping. Every once in a while, but okay. yeah, it'd be okay. nice, wouldn't it, to have someone do it for you? Here, go get me this, this. Well, I guess there well, are apps. We... I think there's places to do that, yeah. actually. <laughs> well, when we moved into... Um... Uh, New York from California originally. I remember standing there in the grocery line the first time and like the woman's ringing all and it's piling up and she's looking at me and I'm looking at her and then I look around and everyone's bagging their own groceries and I was like, oh, oh my God, they don't even bag your groceries here. Then we moved to Massachusetts and not only do they bag your groceries, but they would take them out to your car oh, and put yeah. them in your trunk. And I remember distinctly my mom saying, is he coming home with us to put them away? Because <laughs> yeah. we were like, wait, he's putting them in the trunk mm -hmm. too? Like they're like, oh, they take your cart it's this one grocery store out called Roach Brothers. They take your cart, they push push it out, they put it all away, they take your cart back. So yeah, I'm sure for you know, spot them at twenty, probably come home, put it in your cabinets. Yeah, and I just think that sometimes I get like you know, you do the grocery run and you're doing like it all, and I, you know, if I have to run for one thing and at the store too, right? That's not such a big deal. But I have to like run and do like. Now I have to go to this store, and I have to go to this store, and you come home, and your trunk is just full it's, of the groceries. It's a hashtag, my life is hard <laughs> moment, for sure. It is. That is okay. rough. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. All what right. kind of movie do you most enjoy? Oh, comedy. Yeah, I, I, I would say comedy, I, I say comedy, sure. and then I would say I, I love a good romantic comedy, too. Yeah. I'm a sucker for that. Yeah, anything that's funny to me, it makes me laugh. I need yeah. something to escape. I don't like to get yeah. too intense. I don't like to think yeah, too I'm not a big stuff. bunch of people getting killed kind of gal. Oh, yeah. I can deal with, like, 
mysteries or like action to a point. But if we have a choice and there's yeah. a good comedy on, I'm going to take that any day of the week. Yeah, for sure. That's probably mine. Okay, so if you could have one superpower, what would it be? I guess I'd like to fly. I always thought it'd be so cool to be able to just like fly. Mm-hmm. Or, all right, all right, I'm going to, I'm not sure what this would constitute, but you know, Bewitch when she would twinkle her nose uh-huh, and just be able to be, able show to be up somewhere. Because you could fly there. But then I guess I might run into inclement weather or aliens <laughs> in the sky. So maybe I want bewitched twinkle nose power because she can go anywhere with that. I do like that. I do like that because my superpower would be something like time travel is what I said. Oh, I'd like to go cool. forward and I'd like to go back and mm-hmm. it would be interesting. Now, whether... No, I think not, she could do that because oh, in yeah. Bewitched, didn't she sometime would be back talking to the I Romans? Or, I, I think she sort of could. Well, I'm going to, if she couldn't, I'm going to add that in. She can. That could be problematic too. So like I had to think about other things. Like, she could change would I want to, Yeah. Could I want to, or you, just the course of how you feel about someone or something. Do I want to be able to... Um, read people's minds sometimes i think that would be cool and then i thought Ooh, uh, you no. might find it way more than yeah. you want to know and then exactly. you walk around like feeling bad <laughs> feeling about bad. yourself when you walk right. in a room and everyone looks at you and think i look fly and then you hear their <laughs> voices going, what is that outfit oh my god look at she has mascara under her eyes should yeah. i tell her i'm not telling her. what's in her teeth exactly. yeah i don't know i'm i'm gonna take a hard pass at knowing what okay. people are thinking I i'd like rather just ask travel. them okay okay would you rather meet your great great grandparents or your great-great-grandchildren? Oh, gosh. Um, hmm. That's difficult. That's actually very difficult because you have a lot to learn from both <clears throat> of them. Mm-hmm. Grandch... Ooh. Um, so great-great-grandchildren. So that's like... Yeah, that's way, way, way. Your kids, 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 kids or something yeah, like that. I would that. say great-great-grandparents because that kind of shows where the lineage of where you are today or where you you're thinking where they are oh and see i think i'd want to meet my great 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 grandchildren i think it'd be fascinating to see what like my my relationship with my husband created in the future yeah that's a good point too that is a good i mean i'd love to if i'd like to be able to do both both Right. But yeah. but then, of course, it's like, remember in Back to the Future when he comes, he's like, Marty and I think I Jennifer, get in the car. Your kids are disaster. Yeah. So it would be terrible to get meet them. And then they're like all in prison and stuff or like serial killing. I'd be like, oh, I guess maybe I shouldn't listen to all this murder podcast. Could, that could go either way, though. That could go with something like how your great, great, great grandparents were, too. Yeah. So yeah. that's an interesting one. I actually like that one. That's good. Okay. Um, what do you think animals know that we don't? I think they know how to be truly present. Um, I think they know how to just love unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, agree, agree. I think they sense danger in a way where we are like, oh, I need to be polite, whatever. And, you know, and, and so we might get a creepy feeling from someone. And instead of being rude and getting away from them, we feel like we have to be polite. Where they're like, I mean, I know walking the dog, sometimes we come up across a dog if he's way in the distance and they're like oh fuck no like they're already like i think they have their instincts they just listen mm-hmm. to instincts way more Absolutely. than people do right so we I could think, learn something from that yeah we can mm-hmm. so they have instincts i think to love the capacity to just be so loyal to people i think that's be what in they the have. moment yeah 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 okay here i know my answer to this okay <clears throat> which mystery or unsolved case 
would you like to know the truth about? Oh, come the hell on. There's two this of these. I have two. This is such a Susan question. No, not necessarily. Yeah, it is, because I don't know. Okay, I don't gonna, watch I'll, these I'll shows because they creep No, no, no. Me I'll give you two, okay. and you will oh, know both John of them. Bonnet, that was one John of mine. <laughs> John Benet <laughs> Ramsey. Ben, John Benet Ramsey. Okay, okay, that, okay that was one. And okay. JFK. Oh, wow. We don't yeah, really. Yeah, we don't really know. That's true. So, that is true. Okay. So those were my two. So, yeah, you're like, this is Susan. I don't know anything. Every, I thought you were going to tell me no, some, like, murder no, mystery in the desert No, these are ones that, like, we really, everyone is still, and we may, we probably will never know. Right. Which is why I was like, oh, those now, are two okay. I'd like to know. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, I stand not, corrected. I stand corrected. It's not some corrected. rando from my podcast listening. <laughs> yeah, or someone Because I can't retain desert. all that stuff. This is something that's been beat into my head. All your murder mysteries. That's what, things okay. you're... Easy, easy. Okay. All right, go ahead. Would you rather read the book or see the movie? Read the book. Yeah. Because a lot of times you see the movie and it, after you've read the book and it's just, it's disappointing. I like when you read a good book um, that you create the characters in your own mind. And so it's like, it's a whole creative experience within and of yourself in addition to the creative experience of the, you know, the person who's written this book. I just. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. With, yeah. Yeah. I would rather read the I, book. I mean, I'm not going to say I don't like a good movie, but like if it's a really good story, I find it yeah. usually ends up being better in the they're book. More, yeah. They're always elaborating and I'd rather mm-hmm. read anyway. I mean, I do enjoy movies, but I'm not one of those people that are like dying to get back to movie theaters even now. Right. Oh like, God. No. I'm just, you I'd can rather watch read, enough read, stuff read, on read. TV. Yeah, you, you don't need to go in a movie theater anywhere. full of full of Delta. What did we read this morning? <laughs> Lambda. Lambda's. They just skipped right over camp and went to Lambda. Yeah. Gosh. All right. Here's, here's, um, if you had one year to live, what would you do differently? Oh, my gosh. Um, let's see. I'd probably make sure that I spent as much time with my kids who are in different states and do mm-hmm. different things. I'd probably yep. make sure I spend as Agreed. much time with them. I would not care about my exercising. <laughs> I wouldn't care about what I ate. I, same. I would not Ditto. care about being healthy because no, obviously I'm, it's dying. not paying off right exactly <laughs> um i can't say that i would try i think i'd spend time with as many people I, close to me as possible same. i would you or i would them. take them on like trips like yes. you know take Let's each of the ch- children on a special trip that we that's just ours same with like my best friends and i would right. eat everything so i'd have ice cream for breakfast lunch right. and dinner if i felt like it I would be like, sure, I'll have another cookie. Oh, yeah. cake? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, five pounds of gummy bears? Bring it on. <laughs> exactly. You know, oh, top See, it off with a dirty martini? I'm good. Yeah, that just goes to show yes. you the difference. I'd be like, can you just pass the tub of guacamole over? And, and you're like, like, you want gummy bears and cookies? Yeah, just give like, me yeah. the ice cream and I'll switch. You can have the chips and guac. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I would different. definitely just try to enjoy every experience and yes. with and try with to as many and try to make as many memories with my loved ones as I could yeah yeah same so, here same yeah okay if you could solve one of the world's problems what would it be peace on earth mm-hmm. us all getting along because mm-hmm. it's like if we could all get along so much bullshit would be gone mm-hmm. but like I would say inequ- the poverty poverty and inequity of well, see, I feel you like know, that falls class. under the umbrella. If everybody were taking care of one another, a lot mm-hmm. of that would disappear. Right. Injustices. I think all of it. I mean, mm-hmm. so I don't know what the world problem list is, other than <laughs> what we're just talking about. But I don't know if there's, like, if someone's looking at it and thinking, oh, what about, you know, child, you know, hunger, or child, you know, not getting to school. Mm-hmm. Or I, I think I'd go with something along the lines okay. of poverty and all the injustice just, it creates. I'm just going to peace on earth. Okay. I'm going to use a blanket umbrella. There you go. Um, 
what was the best TV commercial of all time? Oh, jeez. Best TV commercial? Okay. If you have one, I do. please chime in. Okay, I do. Okay, I have, a, I have a theme. The progressive TV commercials where they oh. have the signs like, no fuss, no bussies. Nope, nope. Who, who here can read a PDF? Like yeah. who? All of those are, I, I laugh out loud because they are, the, they are me. And I just am like, oh my God, these are so clever the way they make fun of our generation. I'm sure if I were to go back think, in time, I could find other ones that I loved. But those were the ones that came to the mind. The first thing that came to my mind when you said that is one, if I had to think about something that was so hilarious was the Where's the Beef? Oh, with that old, like, Wendy's? Where's the yeah, beef? Yeah, the Wendy's commercial. Yeah. Like, where's the beef? I don't know why that popped into my head. Yeah, well, then maybe that's your all-time favorite commercial. Yeah, I don't think it's, like, there's got to be other ones, but that one just brings, because it, it kind of spans, it just kind of put me back to there. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe. Okay. All right. I think probably we can figure this one out. Okay. Maybe I'll, maybe. Okay. If you had to downsize, what would you get rid of? Meaning, like, furniture? Or I don't what do you know. Mean? It doesn't give. It doesn't oh, give a detail. Oh, okay. If I had to downsize, what would I get rid of? I guess this will be a harder my, one for two you, of my houses. Yeah, I was just <laughs> stay in the say, apartment. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I guess I get rid of my houses and just. Um, okay, so if you had to keep those and downsize, like, or just get okay, well, we'll just say we'll just get I mean, one. We'll just have one then. Okay, okay, let's go with that, Susan. Okay, I'll okay. just have one. I mean, if you were gonna go like more like. Within the house, you had to down, like take one house. I'd say, okay, I would, you know, then I would get a smaller house and get rid of all this big furniture. I don't know. That's kind of that's uh, a hashtag that's, problem yeah, too. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a hashtag. Okay, let's we make fun of me. Everybody. No, I'm not. I just no, 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 was no, thinking no. about that because I'm going through that now with my parents. Even more so now. Mm-hmm. Even more so now as we speak, they're having to get rid of stuff. And so I think my first thing would be like my closet of clothes and shoes. Mm-hmm. I'd start going through that, which is really tragic when I have to think about it. But I probably could get rid of more things there oh see I could get rid of like well it's in storage now but I have a lot of dishes and platters yeah, and glasses yeah, oh and gosh. things like that which yeah. would be easy to get rid of but yeah, yeah. that's that's not that exciting a one let's no. try a different one. Oh come on what's that... the most difficult habit you've tried to break judging people Oh my God, mine was like negative thoughts. Uh-huh. Because I grew up with my mom like, oh, look at that ugly baby. Oh, look at that. Da, da, da. My <laughs> parents were both models and they were like so attractive. It's like gross. And, you know, I had this negative kind of voice in my head. And then slowly over time, I've been like, no, 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 that's not right. That's not right. Like yeah. that person has every, you know, like it, it's just wrong. And so I, I very much work on that anytime a thought like that comes in my head. I'm like, I just am like, stop. Right. That's not kind. Right. Probably similar stuff, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing. Like, you're sitting somewhere, and someone walks up and does something, like at the airport. Yeah, and you, <laughs> you just kind of... the airport. Yeah, 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 yeah airport etiquette, and you're like, really? oh, okay. You really had to yeah. wear that tank top so that when you put your, your luggage up above, I'm going to have to see all your underarm here sticking out, dude? <laughs> really? Okay, so... <laughs> there she goes okay, again. Okay, maybe that's okay. all he had. Okay. <laughs> if you had to lose one of your senses, which would you pick? Mm, that's a good one. All right, so let's name them. So we have sight, hear, hearing, touch, smell, taste. Taste. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I don't know. Smell? I think I that guess would be smell. I think but I then would wouldn't just... you not be able to taste? 
Aren't they kind of related? Well, I don't know if that is. We're not going to get that. Okay, all right. Smell then. <laughs> smell. <laughs> do, Done. If we start through that, we'll start going we'll down to, some. We'll have but to get, I, get on Google. Yeah, I kind of feel that way too. I think I'd have to give that up. I would yeah. never want to give up taste. I wouldn't want to give up taste, sight. and I want to be able to see. I'd like right. to be able to hear. And if I can't yeah. have no sense of touch, then it's like I'm banging into things. Right. I think I agree with you. Smell. just have to make sure when I go on the computer that both pieces are there and if the other pieces we have to remember what they were. How many cards do you have left? Two. Two? Okay. We should think about future episodes too because we've got I know we've got like two or three. We've got we've got pet peeves too. We've got um, Riley, Riley, and we've got this one. So that's three weeks, which is good. Yeah, and then if we we're gonna every that. other, then pet peeves too would go next week because that's more silly, and then it would be Riley's, and then it would be this. Yeah. And I don't care when we do it. I don't care if we go every other week. Maybe with my mom's shit, it might yeah, be yeah, that's fine. Next, that's fine. So we okay. can drop one not not this week, but next week. Good. So then we've got probably six weeks put up. Okay. All right, I think we can just talk. It doesn't seem like they're making much they're noise. Done. Okay. It's kind of interesting that you, I didn't know you could come down here and make coffee. In my basement, I'm putting in a fireplace like that. Yeah, like Not that. with the marble, but uh -huh. with stone, but like the long. Yeah, I like it. I think they're cool. Mm -hmm. They are. I wonder if they warm. They do, because remember in Denver I had the fire pit. No, but I had like fireplaces oh, yes. like this that you just push the button and they definitely warm. I did. Because right. I used to sit on the floor in the kitchen when Noki was a puppy and turn it on and sit and have my coffee and she would like flop all over me. Right. No, I remember that. All right. We're just going to keep going. Yeah. All right. Do you have a favorite quote? Um, I don't have a favorite, but I think that the one I most repeat to myself is do unto others as you would have them do unto you and mine is there but for the grace of god go you yeah i'm always when i again taking going back to the judging mind and shutting mm -hmm. it down i always say right. to myself like okay you don't know that person's story like right. that could be you and who are you to judge so right yeah yeah similar yeah right. that one i just go back to i'm sure there's some great other ones around but that one is well one my other favorite that that i you know has embraced as i've gotten older and kind of looked at patterns in my life is the maya angelo one that i've used on the show before which is yes. um when someone shows you who they are believe them mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to change people if they tell you i'm never going to call you back and i'm not someone to make plans or right. like i'm really insensitive <laughs> ha 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 and you're like no you're not yes they are and they're yes. telling you that's right yeah that's another one of my favorites okay would you rather see the rose bowl parade macy's thanksgiving parade or mardi gras well, since I've seen the first two, I'm going to go with Mardi Gras. <gasps> oh, lucky you. Nope, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It's always on my bucket list. Oh, no. We, we went to Christmas when Taylor no first why. moved to New York because he had just gotten settled. And we were like, you know, we'll get a hotel. We'll come to you. So we saw the parade. Oh, was it cool? Yeah, it was fine. I, I mean, mean, I just kind of think just it's big like... blow up things and 
marching bands. I mean, it's it's not any different than what it looks like on TV, except you're being shoved around by people. It's delightful. Okay. If you were a doctor, which specialty would you choose? You, um, you, I know you're going to steal mine again. You keep, you keep saying what I would say. Let's see. Let me keep my mouth shut. Isn't it funny? Like the, like mine's. Huh. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I, I would have to, it can't be anything that I have to cut open anybody. Okay. I can't handle that. Well, I Even mean. Even today if I were a doctor. So, um, let's see. But it's a make-believe world. So, in this world, you could cut open people because, like, you're a doctor. You chose to be a doctor. So, it means you're not bothered by okay. that. Okay. All right. Um. A brain surgeon. Oh, cool. No, mm-hmm. I was. I want to deliver Super. babies. Oh, you do? I think oh, yeah. it'd be so cool to be there yeah. that moment of life, especially because when you're giving birth, for those of you who don't know this, you're so busy giving birth, you kind of yeah, miss no, out on that yeah, whole experience. <laughs> and like, then especially. if you have a husband like mine, you miss out on it even more. Know. You know that story? <laughs> no. All right, so no. everyone, I have three kids, and after I had my first one, where I was all just a big blur, my girlfriend, Maria, had Jackie. And David positioned the camera so it was like you couldn't see any of her privates, but they the, it showed them holding the baby right when she first came out, and then their reactions. It was really beautiful, and she so she got to experience it. So I said to Scott the next time, like I really want to do that. He sets up the camera, the whole nine yards. This is my second child, and then he stands in front of the camera the whole time, so we have his back. <laughs> so third child, I'm like, look, this is it. This is your chance. So. Not only did he film it wrong, and I'll tell you that in a minute, it's it, the slice of film of me giving birth is in the middle of one of my children's birthday party tapes, and he gets my whole... Everything. Yes. Oh. So it's like they're all playing in the yard and whatever, and then it's flashed <laughs> in Nana's, because this is going to happen, it's going to be my grandchildren something going through old family yeah. tapes, and then like there's Nana, bam. <laughs> I was like, you had two chances to get this you right. Do it every time. Yes, so That's we right. do have it, but it's not something any That's of us really story, want to watch. Though. That's a great story, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think I think brain surgery would just be well, so be fascinating. fascinating. You really, know, really Wendy, smart. who came on our show, yes. her brother's a brain surgeon. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. Okay, last question. Okay. What one indulgence would you enjoy if there were no consequences? I think we answered this one. Sort okay, of. well, I guess. I mean, I guess you could extrapolate out in a lot of ways, but I know my go-to immediately when you say this, ice cream. If I could eat ice cream all day, every day, and not gain weight, right? bam. I would like to just not have the capacity to care that much about it and enjoy what I want, which I mostly do, but okay, just but that's anytime. So broad. Of course I would like that too, but if you had one indulgence. One indulgence. Um, Oh, I can't give up my M and M's. I'm like an M and M. So you would, yeah. So you would sit with your M and M's. I'd sit with my pints yeah, and pints uh-huh. of, you know, any kind of ice cream uh-huh. I could get my hands on. We could watch Ted Lasso, hoping he would wishing <laughs> he was our father. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then I could invite Maria's mom, Vanjie, over to like yeah. tell like little comments here and there because she's so entertaining. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll just dial up the you Uber Eats or someone's grocery <laughs> and bring us more food. We're not leaving and going to the grocery. <laughs> All right. This was a fun one. This was so exciting. So, all, right. all right. So thanks for joining us on a yeah. ramblage because yeah. that's pretty much all this was. <laughs> just gives you some insight into who Susan and I are, which is kind of yeah. Because up till now you never would have been able to figure out because we are just been. like so mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. Adios.